Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello everyone, welcome to part two of the Stompcast and it's perfect timing because Harry and I have arrived at the lovely wooden bench that is occupied at the moment. We can appreciate it does look comfortable. We're right <laughs> by the reservoir, we've got a lovely little stone beach there. Have you taken a run in the dip in there yet? Well no, because of the purple algae. Oh, the purple <laughs> algae, it's changed now, the story. Yeah. By the end it'll be green, it'll be mist. green mist wasps, I don't know. It'll be something else, but we're so, I, can someone please, there you go, can you DM me and let me know, is there purple ivy in this reservoir? or are we talking absolute trollop? <laughs> Who knows? Either way, it is very beautiful. Everyone, welcome back. Um, Harry and I have had a great conversation uh, so far. You make me laugh and you're so raw and honest and you're absolutely amazing and you're so sweet as well because when I, we met at the, what's called the pub called again? Oh, the Peel's Arms. The Peel's Arms. And you said, you've come all this way for me. I was like, yes, absolutely, we've come all this way. And I'm so glad we have because you are absolutely amazing. And this is amazing as well. And I feel very, very lucky to have this podcast. We've been going about a year now. And it takes, me, it takes me on adventures. We go to different places. We experience different things. We see different things. You know, I get to spend time with my good friends and family, really, um, on the podcast as well, which is amazing. No, we're not related. But (laughs) (laughs) we could be, I guess. We are both very pale. We both wear a lot of SPF, so I guess we could could be. And you are like a sister to me, Abby. Anyway, let's not get too emotional. The emotional stuff's all for behind the stomp. Make sure you do subscribe. There you go. Uh, Abby will keep that one. I want to talk to you in this part about bipolar disorder. Um, it's something that you talk about head on um, and you're very open about. And I think it's something that everyone should hear about because it is amongst, sadly, amongst one of the most stigmatized mental illnesses still. I think we're doing a lot of work on depression and anxiety, but bipolar is one of those that I think we, we can do a lot more on. So I wondered if you could talk a little bit firstly um, just like, what is it? What's your experience with it? And yeah, some of the things you'd like to share or for people to understand about it. Oh, just, the, yeah, there's such a stigma about it still on Through the Bushes. Um, of um, Even not long ago, I was introduced on stage by this comedian that was, that was like, oh, I've looked online, seen that she's got bipolar, so you don't know who you're going to get today. And it's like, oh, wow. I just thought, this was, you, you wouldn't... Why are you bringing no. things like that into? No, 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 no. Like I should be able to introduce myself no, in no, a, no, you know, no. in a way yeah. that I want. Um, no, that's not acceptable. So yeah, so there is, and there's often. I think that is it. People think that you're gonna just well, like another one was. I once went on a date with this guy, and um, I had my medication in my bum bag because players gonna play. And he goes, <laughs> uh, "Oh, what's that for?" I said, "Oh, it's my bipolar." And he says, oh, bipolar, does that mean you're going to murder me in the night? And I said, well, it right. didn't mean that. <laughs> but now you've said that. <laughs> yeah, God, exactly. Yeah, you said so, that. so there is that, that people think you're going to be violent or, or well, in any, like, like, just terrible to them. And it's like, that's not what it is. It's, it's mainly, from what I have experienced, the main 
victim of anything is in my own head just extreme ups and downs and mania and um whether it was a lot worse when I was drinking and that because I would just go I put at one point I thought because there's like hallucinations as well at one point I thought I was cat slater from EastEnders and I lost a week <laughs> screaming at people That's so frightening. yeah exactly and then you don't know yeah, then, then I guess you don't know what's happened. I guess that's how people think it is. But one, when you're very conscious of it and and are listening to your own body, what it's trying to tell you and stuff, because now I can notice if I'm like working myself a bit too hard or I've had some some like sort of big personal things happen or whatever, I can feel myself starting to spiral. But I think that's the case with any with most things, really, isn't it? You need to keep like just in touch with your with your body and uh keep a close eye on it to avoid anything like that um and i guess that just happens with age and knowledge and and just being kind to yourself really yeah so so i mean you i think you've given a really great kind of explanation of that you know your personal experience of it and i'd i'd like to delve a bit more into like if that's all right about you know when were you kind of diagnosed and, and also your personal learnings of like you mentioned there um, that you spot things like how do you know when things are, are, are changing but I mean broadly if anyone just wants to understand a little bit about it there's lots of different forms of bipolar uh, disorder yeah. but effectively we talk about mood disorders of the mania on one side so really high mood and severe depression the other sometimes people sit in the middle sometimes it moves in one direction or the other and of course that can be so frightening and hard for the person but also for the family as well because well, there's, there's, there's many different variations of how that person might be feeling or presenting yeah. or being at that time. Some of the treatments involve, uh, well, there's medications uh, for treatments, so kind of mood stabilizers, things to help with mania, things to help with depression, um, mental health therapy as well. But a lot of it, which I think is interesting, a lot of it now we're realizing there's so much work as well that has to be done around the self-care stuff as well and looking yeah, after definitely. yourself. I mean, you mentioned the triggers and stuff. I think it'll be interesting perhaps if you could just share yeah you know when when we diagnose and, and and then a little bit about what do you notice how do you know when it's going to turn and things are feeling a bit more difficult or challenging uh so well first of all though i when i went to the doctor and i remember when what year was this this was before because this was one of the times that i rang i was put on medication the doctor read all these um uh, things from a sheet all these questions and then I answered yes to most of it well all of it I think and then he was like it looks like you've got bipolar and then he put me on this medication then I told my mum and she was like you don't need that so I was like and I justified that because he didn't look at me or the doctor didn't he didn't ask it he, he was just sort of almost coldly reading from this sheet and I felt because some of it was like do you have a high sex drive? And I was like, well, if I'm with so, I felt a lot of it was circumstantial because I was like, well, if I'm with someone, I'm at it like the clappers because I know it's going to end. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I felt like it was all circumstantial and he wasn't allowing for that. But now I know he was just right. And then it wasn't until my mum died. So my friend was like, you really need, you need help. You've been needing help before your mum's died and this now is your mum 20s now isn't it really? yeah yeah well they're 30 30 yeah. yeah so it wasn't until then so i was t taking some things from my from my brain but then it wasn't until that yeah that my uh when my mum died i was like because i was and then often that is 
in because my mum died in November and then often in November it's like I think it's when the you know the weather changes and it's colder and then I feel that looming anniversary and then I start then I've got to be conscious then of um sort of spiraling mm. um and also for some reason every so often I start to get like a bit more conspiracy I start to conspiracize with myself that I don't need any medication anymore and then I start mm. trying to justify that and so I've got to watch for that because that's just me I don't know what it is it's just me trying to fuck with myself yeah to... it's actually something that people talk about quite commonly that when they feel in a better place they question why it's needed yeah so 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 you're in your 30s until you had a re like a diagnosis is that, is that yeah. true so, yeah so does that when you look back do you think some of the behavior and stuff with the alcohol do you think some of that is was medicating as well for for bipolar disorder because i think a lot of people talk about it it's, um, i'm not comparing it at all but i you naturally think about your own experience in life and i guess with adhd i think alcohol was something for, for me with adhd as oh, well right. um it was the kind of something that kind of helped particularly in circumstances where i need to sit in a pub for five hours and talk to people when I get anxious anyway and yeah. things like that and it just kind of those particular things that definitely were something I, I just wonder yeah is that with that reflection do you do you kind of do you think back to that and think yeah maybe maybe if you'd have had the right kind of diagnosis and support that perhaps some of that might have been different yeah and it was because I was just known as like a bit of a nutter I guess and then people were just people liked partying with me because I guess you just I guess that's a bit like with ADHD as well because there's a lot seeping into a lot bleed into different things mm. a lot of people say that there's elements of ADHD and bipolar and all that yeah. is that true I mean there's a lot of crossover and also yeah. predispositions certainly I'm not saying that there is a link I don't actually know between ADHD and bipolar but for, but there's a lot of there are lots of links like for example with uh, uh, anxiety and ADHD there's, yeah. there's a really really heavy crossover and sometimes it's hard to pick out what is anxiety disorder and what is actually just ADHD that fuels that for me I think a lot of it's the ADHD actually that's yeah. fueled it now I've suffered with anxiety for most of my life and now it's only really in my 30s that I've understood that actually if I could deal with the ADHD stuff a bit more then perhaps I'll be less anxious yeah so, yeah um, yeah so, yeah. The, so the stigma sounds like it's really played a big part of your experience with bipolar and it, it's just so it, it it really it actually just makes you quite angry really that we, that we still have so much stigma around it because so many people are affected by bipolar disorder and there's a really good example if you want to look at it this way so in physical health virtually the only time you'll hear a phrase like this will be in physical health with this particular condition and it's diabetic patient it's yeah. very unusual that anyone would call someone heart patient or lung patient. It's a patient who has lung disease, a patient who has this, or person, more importantly, yeah. who has this. But people say bipolar so-and-so, bipolar patient, bipolar person. And it's really, it's oh, really yeah. frustrating because yeah. it's defining person, a person, by those things. And the team know that I'm very particular around it. And, you know, not that they make this mistake because I go on about it enough, but <laughs> I always say correct if we ever see it written in a bio or a brief or something where something's talked about i'm like just make sure just to gently educate people and say no that is a person who has this condition they're yeah. not defined by that condition and I, and I guess that must be hard when people you know you're walking on stage and people are defining you already by your condition yeah yeah and then i get yeah like if, if there's ever anything that's 
gone on TV, like, a, what was the last one that someone was like, oh, I, I feel like she's trying to be a freak and, and all this. <laughs> it's just like, I've just been myself. And it's a, the constant, it was quite ableist talk, isn't it? Yeah, Things it's like ableism. That. What would you say to people then? Like, what would your message be if you're someone who, who's here to bipolar disorder, perhaps you've seen some of the stigmas or you're aware of them. How, yeah, what would your message be to people to, to not, to avoid doing that? And well, to just, perhaps, yeah, just, yeah, not just do it. The, yeah, well, that every case is different and, and no one is defined by any condition that they have, just like with anything, I guess, and just, yeah, treat it by, like, uh, case to case rather than just assume well, all people are like this and all people are like that. And that's, we're all people and we're probably having quite a difficult time. Yeah. So, so bear that in mind, really. So I guess when it comes to, if you meet someone with bipolar disorder, I guess what you're saying is treat them as the person. Think about the person in front of you rather than, you know, putting them into a box by saying, oh, this person is bipolar, therefore, or assuming or creating something around that. Definitely. And even I've had it before where people have spoken to my partner instead of me and gone, oh, God, how would you put up with this? Or I bet she's a handful. And it's like, hello. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not like a rabbit. I mean, dog. You, make, you, make, you make me laugh because you make things that are so bad funny. And I just kind of, I guess you have to. do they say um, yeah. you either laugh or you cry? Do you use well, that a lot? Is that kind of, is that... It is must that how you deal be, with stuff? I think, because you said it earlier, I think it probably is just uh, since such a young age having to um, sort of, my way of coping with things. And then it, but then I think it has been my own undoing as well, is because then if you do, because I had a lot of issues where when I was, like had abuse and stuff, I had a lot of stuff where no one really believed me. But then I think now I look back because I was very angry. But now I think. People didn't believe you because you were making a joke out of everything all the time, which is how you dealt with things. But then, then people don't take you seriously. So um, do, do you find it hard sometimes to draw the line between I'm a comedian, let's have a joke, and actually, no, I'm being serious? Is that still something Yeah, I don't difficult? think there is. I think I have merged. I think I am just a big merge of the, of the, of the both. But, but then now, because I am genuinely happy, it doesn't really matter now. Um, do you feel, do you feel in, and I say this, um, I generally use this as a better metric than happiness, but do you, do you feel more at peace now? How oh, do you feel? Yeah, definitely. Yourself? I do. But again, it's, um, a lot of it is, is being a grown up with things. Like I've spent a lot of time with toxic people. I now just do not, I will just cut people. I'm quite brutal. If someone's toxic or negative, I will just cut them out, which maybe isn't the best thing sometimes, but. No, I, I, I just, actually, do you know what? I actually did a. Uh, um, I say a tweet, it's not a tweet now, it's a thread. I don't know if you're in this thread stuff, but I did a, I, I basically, um, I, I, I love sharing thoughts, I love quotes, I love anecdotes, I love just kind of, you know, we all have experiences in life, and I really just love just putting them down on paper, and I and I've kind of found it quite cathartic since thread started, just to kind of put my thoughts out. And yeah. I said this morning, like, so, like so literally surround yourself with positive people who genuinely want you to do well and be happy. And it sounds such an obvious thing, yes, but it's like, but... you look around your life go, no wonder I was feeling miserable. I yeah. surrounded myself with people who yeah. didn't actually want the best for me or exactly. they're very negative or there's something always always a negative viewpoint of yeah. everything, right? And especially in, in the drinking world, often it is a lot of people that aren't happy with whatever's happening at home, that they have to be in the pub all the time. And then with comedy as well, it's quite competitive. So a lot of the time you have people, if ever you do anything good, people are like, how do you get that? What do you do? Why do, do you, you find that a lot in the comedy circuit? Do you know, I've heard rumblings of that before. That it's quite, it can be a <laughs> little bit you. of a, it can be a little bit, because I guess it, 
It's, let's be let's be frank. Even from the outside, it's hard, right? It's yes, tough. and it's a it's lot a of egos, and, and you've got big personalities, or people yeah. trying, you know. And I guess you're trying to show this, you know, funny version of yourself. You're trying to be successful, and you see people like Michael McIntyre doing all these different things. <laughs> I mean, how do you control that as well? Because you know, we all naturally have some level of competitiveness. Some people yeah. say they don't have any at all, but if you're in this industry, I think you must. Everyone does. I mean, yeah. how do you manage that? Because that can really grind at you, can't it? And, Sometimes it can even make you a negative person, can't it? Oh, definitely. Well, again, I just don't know how, I don't really hang out with people that are like that. I think a lot of people have partners that are also in comedy, whereas I will only get with people that aren't in comedy. So then you're leaving comedy after it's done and talking about different stuff. So surrounding yourself with people, the right kind of people is important then. And just, and just remembering that we're all on, no, we're, we're not in competition. We're all just on our own path and, uh, and because and the moment you start thinking, oh, this person's doing this and I should be doing that, then you're spending time thinking that rather than working on your material and stuff that you should be doing, really. Do you know one of the greatest things that I've realised, probably it's been in the last kind of two or three years more so than ever, is that whenever you have that internal feeling of comparison, you start looking at someone else or how they're doing in life or they've got a happy relationship or this person's doing great, and, immediate thing as soon as you feel that sense of like there's a little bit of rumbling of like and it's jealousy or something i turn around and go i wish you well amazing yeah. what you've done if they posted something i'd write on it or something exactly. like i'll message people and say do you know what you're doing amazing and yeah that's not to say if you receive a message from me for now that just seemed that i was starting <laughs> yeah. to feel a bit jealous or whatever but but the point is we all feel that comparison and, yeah and, and, and it, it's dishonest for anyone to say no i never feel that way but the great way to combat it is to combat it with kindness and positivity and go do you know what i'm really pleased for you yeah do you know what i'm going to do is i'm going to learn from what you're doing and take on board what you're doing i'm going to enjoy what you're doing and celebrate it and there's that then you you feel so much better in yourself because ultimately you know i go on about it again and again and again newton's third law every action has an equal and opposite reaction so if you put out negativity it's coming back at you isn't it yeah yeah the same way you know you're putting out on stage and make people laugh and positivity you're going to be met with that kind of energy right yeah oh definitely definitely yeah because they can because if ever you're feeling off or or something like that the audience are like sharks and they can smell it and then they get all a bit eggy and then you're not as good as you can and that you're not as good as you should be i wonder why that is that they can just sense like i think a, people's uh, intuition it's yeah. intuition and feeling i mean 90 percent of our communication is non-verbal so like, yeah. people will get that from how you well, your eye contact, your confidence, you're talking about your walking. Yeah. If your walking's gone all, <laughs> yeah. all different and they're like, what's yeah. going on here? They, they notice things. It's not lost on me that, you know, you, you grew up in Cornwall. You went to Wolverhampton. I think you spent a period of time in Manchester. And now you've ended up somewhere that actually, in many ways, looks very much like Cornwall away from Whoa. the coast. And then in the countryside. <laughs> yeah. I just wonder, has there been a bit of a... Has there been a bit of a, a journey in terms of how you spend your time? Like, what do you do now to unwind and look after yourself? Does alcohol play a part of it anymore? Like, what, what, no. yeah, what's your, where are you at with all that? Oh, I'm like, most people would think my life is so boring. I'm like a nana and I absolutely love it. I have an early night and I what? read every Heavens. single night. I literally swear by, for some reason, if I don't, oh no, dead frog. Okay, this is the this is the circle of life for frog. That was so random, but yes, circle Sorry. of life. Um, and um, so, yeah, so uh, for some reason, if I read, I think isn't it supposed to something to do with the 
reading the lines uh, before bed sets your brain into, like, yeah. I don't know, like a good rhythm or so something? It kind of set, because there's a similar theory to the kind of horizontal gaze, looking at the ocean, going for a walk, looking, moving your head left to right, moving your eyes. That tracking of your eyes is beginning the process of unwinding and calming the mind. It puts you into a very much kind of like relaxed state, ready for sleep. Yeah, it's just, and it's a game changer for me because then I always wake up ready early and ready to you know write or do whatever whereas before i was watching tv before bed and then i'd have awful nightmares so get quite bad nightmares anyway but let alone when i watch 24 hours in police custody then i'm running off oh, bloody awful escapades in the night um and i try as much as i can to sort of eat well and all that sort of stuff and um because when i first started comedy i would go i've been Hull one day, Cornwall the next. That's I think right. it's okay. So it's, routine and structure. A bit yeah, better, yeah, definitely. Because comedy is something that there is no structure. So you've really yeah. you've really got to work on, you know, the, and also your carbon footprint. You know, you can't be bloody going to Scotland one day, bloody, mm. in, uh, I don't know, Devon the next. So um, so yeah, it's just been really conscious of everything really. And now now also because I've got. Um, step kids so to try and be a, a suitable role model for them as well and and because they've come from chaos and I'm naturally quite a chaotic person so to so I guess now I'm quite you know grounded and which is it's just extraordinary that in any situation I'm considered the safer option for them <laughs> well, I mean it shows but I think it's a real testament to the self-work you've done and I said you know you, you know yeah. not drinking and so on I think you it's have to clear work hard and, on you know, it, don't you? I mean, you know, you said you come on this walk like every day. You come out here, you, you're out in nature. And it really, it fascinates me that I meet so many people, you know, for this podcast. And people are very different. Everyone is different and everyone has a different journey. But it, it is really interesting. And, I, and I, I wonder actually, as the listeners, what you think. And, you know, for those of you that have been with me since the start of the Stompcast, I wonder if you notice the same, that actually... We all need similar stuff. We all need a good amount of sleep. We all need a bit of nature. We need yeah. some calm and, you know, we need some consistency and routine. And you might love to travel the world and brilliant and do all these different things, but you still need to come back to that safeness yeah. and that kind of solitude. And a lot of those things that we do each day, which do nurture us and build us up, those are important. And I mentioned it earlier in, the, uh, in this part, you know, that one of the things we're focusing a lot on now amongst or in treatment of mental illness is how important it is not to forget those day-to-day -day things of well-being and sometimes and you can understand that people go well you know what's what's going to go for a walk going to do when i'm experiencing say uh, severe anxiety or bipolar or depression of course that thing on its own is not going to fix everything but it's, it's part of that pieces of those jigsaw puzzle that come together to make that picture you know and the, the opposite argument is true just taking a medication isn't going to you know, change mm. your life and make it all perfect. It has to be done with, with everything, with everything else. So, uh, thank you so much for 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 sharing. And um, yeah, I, I've definitely learned, and I'm, and I hope everyone else has taken, you know, quite a bit away from that conversation. Thank you so much for listening to this part of the Stompcast. If you're ready and want to listen to the next part right now, head over to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe to Behind the Stomp. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 